something different for the holidays. How about a ghost story about Captain Santa and his Christmas tree boat that went missing off the coast of Lake Michigan? When they leave, the weather is calm. But soon after, it gets rough. They run into heavy weather. There is a 65-mile-per-hour wind that bears down on them. The temperature drops 40 degrees. Holy crap. And during the time, it goes from rain to clumps of heavy snow that are falling all over the boat. Well, I put some production work into this one. My friend Anna from Gothic Milwaukee joins me this week to tell the story for a Rigs Off the Radio podcast. Happy holidays. The following may contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. What you're about to hear is the inside leftovers from Riggs's brain throughout his day. Since you probably hear everything that happens on the radio and this is the stuff that happens off the radio rigs off the radio now here's your host welcome to a rigs off the radio podcast a special christmas edition of rigs off the radio so i brought in my friend anna from gothic milwaukee hello hi i am super excited to be here with you to get very spooky during the christmas season you came on the show on Halloween and you know a plethora of information about haunted things around Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and you've written a whole book about it. What's the name of your book again? Please self-plug that. Milwaukee Ghosts and Legends. Yeah. And I'm very excited to be here today to talk about the spooky side of Christmas with you and to share with you a spooky Christmas tale of Wisconsin ghosts. So you said spooky and Christmas, and I thought that sounds non-traditional. I love non-traditional and different. Let's do it. Let's roll with it. So actually, I'm going to disappoint you because the spooky side of Christmas is very traditional. Oh, okay. How so? Well, you probably have heard that song, Most Wonderful Time of the Year. It's played constantly during Christmas. The Andy Williams one? Yes. And he even says scary ghost stories yeah. and tales of the glories, and people wonder what that is. Yeah. And that's because ghost stories were really a traditional part of Christmas. Sure. The pagan so, holiday. Let's get correct. into that. Well, it is. <laughs> no, not really. Oh, you don't want to? Because I, I know oh, some of us. Sure. Well, if well, you want to, why not? It, it is. A lot of our, our traditions do come from pagan holidays, yeah. and Christmas becomes to the the very darkest time of the year. Uh And a lot of people believe during those very, very dark days, that's when the veil between the living and the unliving is the thinnest. Think of Ebenezer Scrooge, the ghost of Christmas past, Christmas yet to come. That was a very haunting type story. Exactly. Not only are there three professional ghosts in that story, there is, you know, one just tortured soul in Jacob, his old Marley. Yeah. Yeah. And so lots of ghosts in that story That was a tradition. What people would do during Christmas Eve, particularly during the Victorian era, which is where we get a lot of our current traditions, is they would gather on Christmas Eve, they would play all kinds of parlor games, and then as the evening is winding down, we'd gather in front of the fire, we'd be sipping our hot toddies and our eggnogs, and we'd tell spine-tingling tales. And I can't imagine a better time to do that. The winds are howling outside. Yeah, it's cold outside. The shadows are long. They got a fire lit in the room, probably. It's the very perfect time. Yeah. One of my very favorite books, I don't know if you've ever read Turn of the Screw. I have not. It's... um, a story I'm not of, a big reader. Is there a movie that I can watch? It, I, yeah, it's, it's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. I, I revisit it every single year. Actually takes place at Christmas. It's two men in front of a fireplace at Christmas recounting a tale uh, of possessed yeah. children and the governess 
they drove mad. What kind of tales have you brought for us today? Well, today I am going to tell you the story of the Christmas tree boat. The Christmas tree boat? Yes. Now, where did this happen? So, the Christmas tree boat has a real name, and it's the Rouse Simmons. And it was a three-mast wooden schooner. It was built here in Milwaukee. Okay. And it spent most of his life as a lumber schooner. But as it got a little older... It was bought by a Captain Shoneman who was outside of Chicago. He had a Christmas tree business. So what he would do is he would run this boat up to northern Michigan, collect all kinds of Christmas trees, run them down the lake to Chicago and sell them to German immigrants. Oh, it's just going back and forth on Lake Michigan. And he was really beloved because he did this for almost 30 years. And they called him Captain Santa Claus because he would not only provide everyone their Christmas trees, but if you were down and out, he was known to give you a Christmas tree. And he would also supply Christmas trees to orphanages. Oh, my. Yeah, he was... I was going to say, did he sell them or did he give them away? But he sold them. He sold them. It was his business. And so... It was a family business. He would pull up to Clark Street, and then he would welcome people on the boat. He'd have it all decorated for Christmas. His daughters were making wreaths and garlands. So this was their family business. Sure. And it is November of 1912. Okay. And at this time, the boat is 44 years old. Everyone's getting a little long in the tooth at this point. We all know because we grew up on the Great Lakes or we live on the Great Lakes now that the lakes are really dangerous in winter, particularly in November. We know about the gales of November. They've your own songs and poems about how dangerous they are. And Shoneman, Captain Santa. Edmund Fitzgerald? That's on Superior, but the gales of November came that year for them too. And so it's really a well-known thing that the lakes are dangerous. And Shoneman, Captain Santa, knows this because his own brother dies years before bringing a load of Christmas trees down to Chicago. So this is something that everyone involved in this knows. And there's lots of signs that maybe they should not have gone out this year. Signs? What do you mean signs? Like we're omen type stuff? Really? Weird omen things. So not only is this ship 44 years old. Okay. But, you know, Christmas tree is not incredibly lucrative. So the captain's trying to cut some corners and he skipped caulking that year. Oh, you got to caulk, man. You got to caulk. You got to caulk, especially on a boat. Or get that flex seal stuff like that guy sells on TV, you know? Perhaps. That that could have helped. That could have been a whole different story (sighs) if we would have had that. Flex Seal, where were you so, in, the 1912, in the year 1912? 12. <laughs> so, no caulking that year because we're trying to cut some corners. Yeah. And as the men are loading the boat, they notice that there's an exodus of rats fleeing the ship. And we might think that that's great because nobody wants to sail with rats, but actually that was a very bad sign. Rats are intuitive. Rats are extremely good sailors because they are really tiny and they're getting into all the narrowest parts of the ship. Uh, So they're likely the first ones to know if there's leaks. So they're saying, we're getting the hell out of here. Right. So a bunch of rats get off and the sailors notice that and then they count themselves on the deck and they notice there's 13 of them. And that doesn't sit well with them. And the calendar says that it's Friday. Oh, and no. Friday, Friday the 13th. Is the, it's not Friday the 13th, but Friday is the very worst day to begin a journey to sailors. They're a very superstitious group. And this goes back 
thousands of years. Really? That's Truly. interesting. It actually, um, some people think it has to do with the Knights Templar. Um, lots of, of different reasons why sailors do not want to start on Fridays. In fact, it's pretty common for sailors to begin a journey at 1201 just to make sure that they don't start yeah. on, on a, a Friday. Well, you think of all the things that come along with it. They always name the boat. You christen the boat. It has right. to be a certain way. Yes, there's lots of superstitions. So here we have a 44-year-old boat about to make a journey in November, one of the most dangerous months of the year, with 13 sailors and a bunch of rats leaving. On a Friday. On a Friday. Yeah. And a lot of, there were signs, even even more signs. His co-captain, Captain Nelson's daughter, pleaded with him in tears not to go. She just had a she, feeling or She something? had a premonition that something would go wrong. And and the captain said, honey, I have to go. I, may, I gave my word, but I promise this will be my very last journey. What happens now? So they shove off. Yeah. They get to Michigan. And while the men are unloading, they notice even more rats are fleeing. Oh, my God. But the captain is undeterred. He will not stop. He knows the people of Chicago need their Christmas trees. They need Christmas their Christmas trees. trees, yes. And so he's un- undaunted. Soldier on. And they're filling up the boat. They're filling up the boat. They fill up the whole hole with trees. They're putting it on the decks. And some people who observed that boat said it looked like a floating forest. There was so many trees on it. So many trees. And so this was too much for some of the sailors. They looked at this. They see the rats. They know it's November. They see that the ship looks very top-heavy, and they decide, we're not going to go back with you. They decided to buy their own railroad tickets and get back to Chicago that way. And that was an extra big deal because you don't get paid for half a journey then. No. So you have to complete the journey to get money. So they're losing money on it. Yeah, they're forfeiting all that cash they would have gotten. But something in their hearts told them, don't do it. And so the team thought, well, we've got extra room now. And they welcomed in some passengers and some lumberjacks that wanted a ride to Chicago. So when they shove off, no one knows for sure exactly how many people were on the boat. Could have been somewhere between 16 and 23 is what people commonly think. And when they leave, the weather is calm. But soon after, it gets rough. They run into heavy weather. There is a 65 mile per hour wind that bears down on them. The temperature drops 40 degrees. Holy crap. And during the time, it goes from rain to clumps of heavy snow that are falling all over the boat. It's caking on the men. It's caking on the trees. And soon, everything is ice covered. Oh, my God. I can the imagine. The first time. How freezing and, that must be on Lake Michigan. Yes. And not only that, but they're having 40-foot waves of water dumping on this boat. They are in tremendous distress. The first time anyone catches a glimpse of them, they are in Kiwaskum, well, just off the shore, and they're sending out a distress signal. And the Coast Guard sees that, and they send out a gas-powered lifeboat to help this boat. Great. They're getting closer and closer. They're within 1,000 feet of the Christmas tree boat, and suddenly a snow squall happens. And that is when there's tremendous wind and snow, and it becomes a whiteout condition. There is zero visibility. So they can't see them anymore. They can't see anything. Oh, my God. And they they hunker down in this lifeboat, and when this squall passes, the ship is gone. It's vanished? It's vanished. It's not on the horizon. It's not in the water. It's not 
anywhere. Holy, there's no debris or anything, nothing floating, no trees floating, no no nothing? The only sign that this was ever here comes a few days later. In Sheboygan, there is a message in a bottle found, and it's sealed with a piece of pine wood. And when they read the message, people think that it's from the captain, and it says, Friday. Goodbye, everyone. I guess we are all through. During the night, the small boat washed overboard, leaking bad. Invid and Steve lost too. God help us. And it was just that message and then occasionally trees that would wash up on the beach. Oh, that's in so creepy. two rivers. And these trees were still green. And so people would find them on the beach, bring them home and decorate them. And when they stopped being green, people would take these trees and then they would cut pieces of wood out of them to make Christmas ornaments, always saying Captain Santa was still making his deliveries. Uh. And then there's just a few more traces that happened. In 1924, strangely, they find his wallet. The Captain Santa's wallet washes up. What? Yes, and it's found by a fishing boat named Reindeer. What? I know. So... Strangely, it is completely preserved. This oil skin must have been great. They send it down to his widow, and his widow ends up dying in 1933. And you know that the lake never gives up her dead. No. So his body, none of the bodies were ever found. But Mrs. Captain Santa, Mrs. Shoneman, is buried in Illinois, and she has her gravestone, and next to it, a very modest stone with an evergreen engraved on it to honor her husband. And they say when you go visit that grave, the scent of pine is all around it, despite there being no pine trees near her grave. It just smells like Christmas around his, like pine trees around there. That's amazing. And that is where this story ends until 1971. Now what happens? When they finally discover that wreck. They found it? They find A divers find the wreck of this boat in 1971. It's off of two rivers. And they discover that what probably happened was the steering broke off. And that's why they couldn't get themselves closer to shore. Oh, to that lifeboat that was coming for them, I guess? Right above their steering wheel. You know, an upside-down horseshoe that people hang for good luck. Yeah. But we're not sure when this happened, but one of the nails was removed. And so it was facing down. Oh, no. With the luck running out. Running out of it. Oh, yes. For the Christmas tree boat. So maybe maybe that's a way to say all of those omens should not have been ignored. That's fascinating that they found it all those years later. Yes. Well, the the Great Lakes have a lot of wrecks that are still waiting There's to be discovered. I have a right. friend that does uh, diving all the time. He loves ship uh, wreck diving. He does it all the time. And I guess that the Great Lakes are particularly good for that because it's fresh water and very cold. So that preserves things yeah. for much longer. One of my very favorite stories is the story of the Shakora, which is another boat that vanished without a trace uh, on the lake, and that's yet to be discovered. Really? That was a multi-ton ship. I find that kind of thing fascinating because we just don't realize the scope of the lake and all of the secrets she still has to tell us. Yes, she does. I've been on rough waters before. I was. I went through the Drake Passage going from South America to Antarctica last year, Ooh. which is really treacherous seas. And we were on the sixth level of this cruise ship, and the water was so rough. 
the water was rushing up to the sixth balcony. It was oh my goodness. It was, was insane. It terrifying? I have never been in a situation that terrifying before. I was okay. I wasn't seasick. My mm-hmm. wife was a different story. Sure. But again, we were on a modern cruise ship that was built for this. Mm-hmm. I wasn't on a 40, 40-year-old wooden schooner for crying out loud. Right. So right. I can only imagine what that was like. Yes, because these people, they would have been on deck yeah. when this was happening. And very lucky. When the 40-foot walls of water were completely washing over the boat. Yeah. And these people were soaked. They were frozen. They were terrified. And they had no way out. Captain Santa. R.I.P., man. That's yes. a crazy story. Well, thank you that for letting so me much share just, it with well, you. Well, of course. I didn't realize there was so much history around Christmas, around a man that was trying to bring so much joy. And look. Yes. He was so stubborn that he ended up getting himself, I guess, killed kind of in a way. Well, I think, think that there's a lot of truth to that because yeah. there were a lot of omens. Um, it ends up that the storm that they got caught in actually did have hurricane force winds and it oh, was wow. called the storm of the decade. But there were a lot of signs that this wasn't the right time to go. And other tree sailors were not going up to get oh. the trees because they felt it was too dangerous. But Captain Shoneman also had some financial problems at that time, so he might have been extra motivated to get those trees. Where can people get more information on this story? Was this one of the ones that is in your book? It is not one of the stories in my book. It's this not. is just a fun holiday story I love to share with you. Nice. Well, your book again, if people is, can find it on Amazon, they can get it in Milwaukee locally. Yes, they can. If they want an autographed copy, uh, they can go to gothicmilwaukee.com, and I'm happy to write anything they want because that's what I do. Yeah. And uh, the book is Milwaukee Ghosts and Legends. Anna, thank you so much for coming in again. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. See, if you know somebody that loves ghost stories, especially somebody from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it's a great book to get them. Milwaukee Ghosts and Legends. Get it at gothicmilwaukee.com. That's it for me. I'll talk to you in the new year. More Mental Health Monday podcasts coming your way and whatever else happens to pop into my brain with rigs off the radio. I appreciate all of your support and your love over 2018. Talk to you next year. (laughs) I hate that joke. Talk to you next time. Make good life decisions, okay?